What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Just Like Other Girls with me, Shannon Fiedler. I want to talk about being a scaredy cat. And I use that term lovingly because I am self-proclaiming to be one. I, Shannon Fiedler, am a scaredy cat. In a lot of different ways. I really am. And, you know, it's something that at points of my life I have, like, really used as an identifier like just something that I say that I am and believe that I am at other points in my life I've tried to fight it and and not be it but I think I've come to the point now where like you know I'm sort of I'm set in my ways I don't think I'm changing in any big personality ways moving forward you know I I, I'm who I'm gonna be and being a scaredy cat I think is is part of who I am and I think It definitely has its downsides. It definitely has its funny moments. It definitely, I think, sometimes has me making better choices and being more prepared maybe than some of my friends who aren't necessarily worrying about all of those things. And so I use the term scaredy cat uh, because I think it's a little bit more all-encompassing than just worrier, but I think being a worrywart (laughs) to just like use terms that 10-year-olds use on the playground I think being a worry wart is a part of being a scared cat, right? Like if you are someone who is afraid often, then you worry a lot about things because you're thinking ahead. And so like there's that part of it, which I'll definitely get to and unpack a little bit. It's kind of funny, but like I also am just like generally, I've never been someone who like wants to scare themselves. Like I, not a horror movie girl. Like that is not my thing. I've never really understood like, why are we watching movies that we know are going to scare us? Because I hate the feeling of being scared. And I feel like maybe people who are less scared in real life, maybe that's why they watch scary movies because like it makes them feel an emotion that they don't necessarily feel all the time, which is why I think, you know, the same reason we watch comedies or dramas, things that make us cry, things that make us believe in love. Like we're just trying to feel emotions that we don't feel day to day. And like maybe the reason I don't like scary movies is because like I got enough cortisol going through my veins at all moments of every day. So who knows? That's just a hypothesis. But I have never been someone who likes scary movies or anything scary. Like I was never as a kid growing up and like Halloween came around. And I love Halloween because I love costumes I love candy I love like you know I I love Halloween a lot but I never was someone who was like oh I'll be a vampire or I'll be a monster I was always like a cheerleader or more accurately like a character from a movie or as an adult I've been characters from children's books (laughs) a stupid amount of times but I even though I love Halloween I never liked the fright side of it so like I grew up near a Six Flags Uh, They do Six Flags Fright Night or whatever they call it. And it's like a haunted theme park. That was never on the table for me. Even if it was like when I was like in middle school or whatever and like your friends were going to go, I knew that I couldn't go. Um, And it's honestly, it's like kind of embarrassing. So if you listen to this podcast or just like interact with my content, you might know already that I am a big Disney fan. I love Disney. I love Disney World. And I grew up going to Disney World all the time. And while I am afraid of monsters and narratives, I am, I do like thrills. So there's a distinction there. I, you know, I like, I like the physical thrill of right now specifically, I'm talking about like a roller coaster or an amusement park ride, but also like, I like 
actiony sports like skiing and surfing, like that kind of stuff doesn't scare me. And so I think something that like when you are a person who is scared often, like you understand that like you have certain triggers and they're different than other people's triggers. Um, so what scares me might not scare you, but we both, both might be scared people. I'm literally just explaining fear to you. You guys know how it works. But we would go to Disney World and I remember like wanting to go on the Tower of Terror so bad because the drop looked like so much fun, but I could not make it through the pre-show until like an obscenely too old age. And I remember one time like I genuinely like I was too old to still be afraid of this. And my parents were like, we're going on the we're going on the ride. Like we need to just get you on this ride. And we got all the way to the top of the queue. So like I'm not going to go into deep Disney lore because that would just be the full time of this episode. But there, it's a story. It's like based on the Twilight Zone and there's like set decor and the people who run the ride are very like spooky and you know everything is eerie and, and scary and supernatural and ghosts and all of that. And I just remember we like got all the way to the end of the line like we were supposed to be next and I was just like sobbing and we had to leave. Not because I was afraid of the ride, which I think like most people are in these situations, like people who don't like roller coasters or whatever. I would have loved to have gone on the mechanics of the ride, but the story of the Twilight Zone and and disappearing and ghosts and all of that was just too much for me to handle. And again, I'm like 12 years old at this point, 13. Like I'm too old to be afraid of this, but I am. So I was thinking about that and I was like, I think – for me, a big part of fear comes from narrative. Um, yeah, and then even even as I got older, I remember in college, I like some friends convinced me like we're gonna watch Silence of the Lambs, and I was like, yeah, I can do it. Like I'm a I'm a college kid, like I can do it. And I like got really big for my britches, and I was like, I'm gonna watch this movie. And I found that movie so freaking terrifying, and it it's. It's an incredibly scary movie. Anthony Hopkins is like pure evil in that movie. But guys, I'm a college-age kid. I slept with the lights on in my dorm room for a month after watching Silence of the Lambs. That's embarrassing. <laughs> like, and again, it's I know it's a story. Like, I literally, you know, I have been in and around TV and film and production my whole life. I know how movies work. Obviously, everyone knows that a movie is a movie, but I'm just even saying that, like, I can see the behind the scenes happening in front of me. Like, I can, even as I'm watching the movie, I, like, know where the director is. I know that they're yelling cut. And I'm still so afraid of this movie. And so, I don't know. I just, I think it was, I I think after that, because I had, like, tried to be brave. I had, like, tried to, you know, I was like, yeah, I can take it. I can watch Silence of the Lambs, which is, like, the scariest movie of all time. And I know that there are other movies out there like Poltergeist and The Grudge and The Ring. And like I won't even touch those movies. Like those <laughs> those are not even something I could fathom trying to watch. Um, and I think at that point that's when I was like, you know what? I'm done trying to deny this. And I'm just going to be like, no, I'm, I'm too scared of a person to watch a horror movie. So it was a little bit easier for me to like admit to myself that that kind of stuff scared me, that I like didn't want to watch scary movies or whatever. But I think the more real stuff that I'm afraid of was harder for me to admit to myself and also to other people. And 
something like I was saying earlier with Tower of Terror, like for me it was about the story. And I think part of the reason that I feel scared, and I don't know how other people feel when they're a scared person, um, to me it's like 90% imagination. And I am very grateful. Like I think my imagination is my biggest skill set. I work in a creative field. Like my career, my job, everything about me is based on and thanks to my imagination. However, everything has its dark sides, right? And I think for me, like when something comes up that is like mildly, like a little alarm bell goes off in my head and it's like, is that scary? My imagination jumps in and it's like, oh yeah, it is. Let me tell you every single possible way that this could be the scariest way that it could come to life. And so I think what that is, is it's an overactive imagination. It's not being able to stop yourself from going down that rabbit hole. So like a lot of times when you're scared of something, right? When you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Like I'm nervous about it or I'm worried. People will say to you, what's the worst that could happen? And the thing is, I always have an answer. And I have a very detailed answer that is way worse than you could have even began to got to. I am... 14 steps down the line of what happens after the worst case scenario happens that continues to make it even worse than you thought. This is very exhausting, obviously. It's also, it does then make you feel even more afraid than you did at the beginning because now you're like, well, if that happens, then this happens, then this happens. I'm always thinking, again, I'm a writer. I write stories for a living. Like I'm always thinking five plot beats down the line, um, but the plot is my own life. And a lot of times I have to tell myself, okay, what is the likelihood that this worst case scenario could happen? And usually the likelihood is very slim, but there is still a likelihood. For a long time, I didn't want to tell people that because I was really embarrassed to be afraid. And I think that that kind of comes from, again, I was afraid a lot as a kid. Like I remember in elementary school, my friends and I were all like going to do Bloody Mary in the girls bathroom in our school and like I don't even know it's like you say Bloody Mary you turn around three times you turn the lights off and then she like comes through the mirror right it's like this stupid urban legend that kids tell each other it's like you know you do it at sleepovers and I like went to do it with my friends and I was so traumatized and I like genuinely could not use the bathroom at that side of my elementary school anymore because I like thought maybe I saw Bloody Mary I'm in like second grade here so this is not totally (laughs) absurd this isn't like me being too old to be afraid of Tower of Terror like this is the kind of things that kids are scared of like monsters and stuff um but I just remember that feeling sort of sticking with me and my other friends being excited to do it and to like push the limits and I think oh one other thing that happened was like we watched The Witches I think when I was in elementary school like in class And that movie is, like, pretty scary, but it's based on a Roald Dahl book. So we were, like, doing a curriculum, whatever, on Roald Dahl, and we were going to watch The Witches. And I literally had to get myself excused. I couldn't watch the movie because it would be – it would just scare me too much. And I remember even, like, Hocus Pocus, which, like, I love, obviously, now. I think that's an incredible movie. It's not really a scary movie, right? It's more of a comedy than anything. But in, like, second and third grade, that movie, I would watch it. And then I wouldn't sleep for days. Like, I would just get so scared. You know when you're in elementary school, you have to have, like, fire safety training. And, like, the fire marshal comes in or whatever. And he's like, have a plan and have a lot of whatever. I used to have to 
This isn't a joke. My parents had to keep me home from school during fire safety week because it would spiral me so much. I would get so afraid of there being a fire in our house. And I think that was not a monster. That was a real thing that could happen. And again, the likelihood of that house that I grew up in, a fire, it was slim. But to use the metaphor that I just said, if you had asked me at eight years old, what's the worst that could happen? I would have said, mommy leaves the stove on, we're all upstairs, asleep, Nobody knows that the fire has started. Then it comes in. It's up the stairs. We have to jump out the window. I can't jump. The dog and the cat get caught in the fire. And even as a little kid, all these scenarios were playing out in my head. And I genuinely remember as a little kid being like, and then even if I make it out, all of, and at the time, the things that were important to me, I like had the teddy bear that my mom got in the hospital when she was born. I was like, all of those things will be gone. I've always been sentimental. And I just remember thinking that many steps down the line whereas like the rest of my classmates like the guy came in he said stop drop and roll they did the little exercises and then they were like cool great one's recess I was keeping myself up at night being like well what happened what if there's smoke what if there's this what what would we do who would we call would our grandparents come like it was it was very all-consuming for me because I was writing these stories in my head about why I was afraid of it and so I think as a kid, all of these moments of being afraid, like too scared to go on the rides at Disney World if we went with other people, not going to school during fire week, even though nobody knew why, I knew why, not watching the movie in class, like I remember being embarrassed by it. And I think even as I got older, in college, out of college as a full-grown adult, admitting to someone, no, I'm scared of that, became something that I was too embarrassed to say. And so I would either do things that I was really afraid of and just be like super anxious, like heart racing kind of stuff, or I would come up with other excuses about why I couldn't do certain things or whatever, and it just got very convoluted and it would stress me out. So in addition to having like this nervousness that I was feeling, I was also now feeling stressed about other people knowing that I was nervous. And I've thought a lot about it because obviously this is something I've been dealing with a long time and like... You know, I, I thought a lot about the idea of fear. And what I think is the, the problem with being afraid of something and trying to explain that to someone else is if you are afraid of something and someone else is not afraid of it, they cannot understand why you are afraid of it. Because to them, it isn't scary. And it's a little hard to verbalize this, like the way that it makes sense in my head. But like if someone is sad because their grandmother passed away and you are not sad because it's not your grandma, you can understand, oh, I know that scenario of loss, of losing a loved one. I know how it feels to be sad. I understand how they're feeling. I respect it. I will go out of my way to make sure that I am showing them that I am there for them in this time. But if you are not afraid of something... And let's take the things that are like phobias where they're either you're afraid of them or you're not. You know, they're kind of, they're not something that's like, oh, it's scary, but like I don't, like I think everyone would say fire is scary. Some people just don't obsess over it in the way that I did. Um, But like let's take something like you're afraid of, okay, I'm afraid of birds. (laughs) And this isn't the same level of scary, but like I just, 
I don't like birds. I have a phobia of them. I'm afraid. If you're not afraid of birds, if birds don't scare you, there's nothing, there's nothing harmful about a bird unless you get the bird flu, right? Like the bird isn't, isn't actually, it's not like a fire. It's not something that is truly scary in its DNA. So if you are not afraid of birds, then that fear of birds that someone else has is irrational because you don't understand why would you be scared. They can't hurt you. They are pretty stupid. They are not coming into your house in the middle of the night. Like, why are you afraid of the bird? And like, I have an explanation. I'm like, because I think they're untrustworthy and unreliable and you never know what they're going to do and they might fly into your head. And if a bird touched my head, I would have to scrub my face with so much soap that I would probably like wear off seven layers of skin because like they're just so gross to me. I guess what I'm saying is if someone is afraid of something and someone else is not afraid of it, then they don't understand what is scary about the other thing. And so trying to express to someone, I'm afraid of this. The the other thing that I will say about fear, and I think it's getting better as people are getting more open about like mental health because sometimes fear, I think, can get not necessarily lumped into, but it's a part of the conversation when you're talking about like generalized anxiety disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder. Fear is a big part of of those things. And as we get more comfortable talking about mental health, I think the conversation around fear is being approached with a little bit more kindness and a little bit of a gentler response to someone who is afraid. But I do think... You know, in a lot of my life, I have experienced when even people you love who love you, you tell them you're afraid of something and they'll go, oh, no, that's not, there's nothing to be afraid of because they're not afraid of it. And so they just don't understand how you feel. They cannot put themselves in your shoes. And if you are a fearful person, then maybe you can, you know, from an empath perspective, put yourself in someone else's shoes and be like, okay, I'm not afraid of this thing, but I know how it is to be afraid because I'm afraid of this other thing, so I will respect that. But someone who is not a fearful person probably is just going to be like, just don't be scared. It's kind of like the same thing to an extent, obviously a lesser degree, but like people talk about, you know, if they're depressed and someone's like, well... Just like look on the bright side. It's like, okay, it's not, it's not that easy. And I think a lot of times in the past, and again, I do think it's getting better, but I think like people, people kind of roll their eyes at fears that they don't have. They're like, ugh, why are you afraid? Like you're almost being childish or you're being too much of a worry wart or a scaredy cat to use the word that I was using earlier. And they're actually not very nice about it. They're kind of like, just do it. Like they don't want to make concessions for your fear. And I get that. Nobody wants to make concessions for anything. But when you are the person who is afraid, it can be very stressful. And so I think I spent a lot of my 20s specifically trying to pretend I wasn't scared to an outside audience because I was too embarrassed to admit that I was nervous traveling alone at night or I am a bit of a germaphobe, so I didn't actually want to share my drink with you because I was afraid that you might have strep throat and then I would get strep throat or worse, meningitis or like whatever. I would be too afraid to say those things because I feel like there was a judgment. That's I think what I was trying to say earlier, this idea of like I think people get very judgy with fears. When you're afraid of something and another person is not afraid of it, 
I think the, the instinct in most people is judgment and kind of like, why would you be afraid of that? And they don't understand it. And even if they're trying to approach it with some understanding, they kind of are just like rolling their eyes and like, okay, but this isn't scary. So don't be scared. Because fear is very personal and it's sort of like, it, it's almost like the blue and black dress or the white and gold dress or like Laurel and Yanni. Like it's it's very much a duality. You either find it scary or you don't. And it can be hard to see the other side. And so I think when you're the person who is afraid, you often feel that you have to find a way to make it not scary because you don't want to be a burden on the people who are not afraid. And I think recently I've just stopped doing that. And it wasn't as easy as just like, oh, I stopped. So if you are a scared person and you're like, like, how could you like, don't give me this crummy advice. I get it. But like, I just stopped apologizing for being afraid. And I think part of it was like, I think the past couple years with like a global pandemic and a lot of uncertainty and you know, like a lot of unrest all around, I think people who aren't typically afraid did find things to be afraid of, whether they were super scared or not, like sort of like new fears unlocked within them. Um, And I think after that, after understanding that like people who weren't germaphobes were now a little bit fearful of being in crowded spaces or whatever it might be, there is a little bit more acceptance and patience with people who do have fears. So I do think that that, obviously I don't want to say something good came out of it, but that was helpful for someone like me who like I feel like now I can say to someone, hey, I'm actually, I'm not comfortable with that because of X, Y, and Z. And I think the 2020 to 2023 was so much of saying I'm not comfortable with this from a specific point of view that I think people are are okay hearing it and trying to find ways to adapt um, to help the people who do feel uncomfortable. So all that to say, I think I've um, I've done a better job of being able to speak up and be like, hey, this actually causes me stress and anxiety. I'm nervous about X, Y, and Z. Can we talk about a way to change the plan so that I don't have to stew in this stress because I don't want you to know I'm afraid because I'm embarrassed. And it's, it was really hard at first. It felt very vulnerable to like say to your friends and to just be like, hey, I know you want to do this thing, but I, I don't feel comfortable with it. And it was very scary. And the biggest example for me, like what is like a big fear component for my life right now is actually travel um and not like not airplanes I'm fine with airplanes but I also know that people are not fine with airplanes so I try to be understanding of that you know if somebody doesn't want to get on a plane whatever but for me I think traveling alone as a woman is really scary and I think a lot of women feel this way and I think men don't necessarily understand it they understand it from a an arm's length because they'll be like yeah of course it's scarier as a woman but they haven't dealt with it. And I remember watching this TikTok. This guy was saying like he was coming out of the gym. Another woman was coming. A woman was coming out of the gym. She was in front of him and he was walking behind her. And he thought nothing of it. He was just like going to his car and he noticed this woman start to like look over her shoulder and walk a little faster and like run into her car and run away. And the guy was actually like crying in this TikTok. And he was like, 
how fucked up is this world that we have made women feel this way just for walking to their car from the gym? And he was like, we need to do better, but we also need to make these women feel safer and also be understanding. And I think that people, you know, TikTok, TikTok is a great thing because it like alerts you to these things. But at the same time, when you are someone who is afraid and then you watch, you know, there's so much fear mongering out there. We all know that. So then you end up watching these stories about people who get into an Uber and then the Uber driver tries to take them a different route or an abandoned way. As someone who is an afraid person, I hear that story and now every time I get in an Uber, that's my thought. And that is if somebody said to me, if I was like, I don't really want to take an Uber home alone in the dark, people would be like, why? What's the worst that's going to happen? And I will relay to them that entire story. And then I will take it three steps farther. So that's where I'm coming from. And it's funny because like there are definitely things that I've been afraid of in the past, like monsters or, you know, I still don't like going into bathrooms in the dark because of that like formative experience I had with Bloody Mary. But like I am able to say to myself a lot of the time I'm able to be like, okay, I know you're afraid, but this fear is irrational. And and I can say that like I think, you know, sometimes I get like everyone, I think when you hit turbulence on a flight, I'll be like, oh, I'm nervous. But then I'm like, all right, this fear is irrational because I know the science behind it. Thank you, TikTok, again with the jello and all of that. But I'm able to do that. And when it comes to this fear of being a woman by herself, and I'm sure other women can agree with me and relate to this, I'm not able to say that's an irrational fear. In fact, I'm able to say, I'm glad you're afraid. This is scary. Like, keep your eyes peeled. And it's it sucks. It really sucks because, like, I find myself – you know, getting nervous about going to things I really want to go to because I'm nervous about how I'm going to get there and how I'm going to get back. Um, And you know what? Like, it's just kind of funny to me because, like, your whole life as a kid, right, you're taught one thing. Don't ever get in a car with a stranger. Don't get in cars with a stranger. Don't get in cars with a stranger. Now we have three apps on our phone that hail cars of strangers, and we just tell them, here's where I live. Here's where I'm going. Here's my plan, I'm by myself, you know that, you have a car, you can lock the doors because I'm in the back seat, there are child locks, like, you are just putting yourself, you're trusting in the good of people. And I want to be able to say, oh, I trust people to be good all the time, but if you live in this world, I think we all know that that's not always the case. And so it can get, it can just get very scary. And I think, you know, and then you think about, for me, a lot of times now, this this fear I have of travel, to me, it becomes a lot of weighing, weighing your options. It's like, all right, it's midnight. Do I want to go on the subway where I might be the only woman and there, who knows what's going to happen? Do I feel safer in a car with a stranger? That's an Uber. Or do I feel safer walking because I'm fully in control, but like if I turn down a street or whatever – And so for me, a lot of mitigating my fear is like, okay, what is the path of least resistance and what can I do? What can I do ahead of time? How can I make plans in such a way that I'm minimizing the amount of time that I have to be alone in the dark? And again, I think it's it's something that I don't want to say it's a exclusively female problem because it's certainly not. I think anyone alone is more vulnerable than they are when they are not alone. And so I try my best to be alone as infrequently as possible. And I'm lucky that, you know, I have a fiance, I have family, I have friends that are willing to come with me places if I ask them to. 
But that's the other thing. I think five years ago, I would have never had the confidence. I would have been too embarrassed to ask someone, hey, I know it's a little bit, it'll end up being out of the way for me, but can we share a cab home? So that way I'm with other people. And now I just say it. I'm like, hey, this is something that I'm nervous about. Like, And you know what? People always say yes. They're never going to be like, no, because nobody wants you to be uncomfortable. But I do think you have to be, you have to make yourself uncomfortable in the first place to ask for that. And I think that's like a much larger conversation that I think we are all specifically women. But you know what? No, men and women. I think everyone is afraid to ask for help because we live in a culture where we are taught like independence, self-reliance. These are the most important qualities. Um, And I don't actually know if I believe that. I think having people that you can rely on and being a person that other people can rely on and helping others and being a part of that and being helped is actually far more valuable than being fully independent. Um, That's a completely different episode and (laughs) a whole other thing. Anyway, my point is, as I've become more comfortable acknowledging my worrying to other people, I've also become more comfortable finding ways to not make myself have to go through the experience that makes me scared. And sometimes that means paying more money or it means going out of your way and, you know, taking a cab with someone or whatever it might be. Like it's not always the slickest solution, but it's the solution that alleviates the stress. And we all know stress is bad for the body and I don't want wrinkles. You know what I mean? So like these are the real things. It's all a matter of vanity. I'm making light of it because humor is a coping mechanism for many people, especially those of us who consider ourselves to be comedians. But basically my point being, I think that if you are someone who is prone to fear, which I think everybody is afraid of different things and it just depends how much it comes out to the surface, just start acknowledging that fear Um, because the scariest thing in any situation is the unknown. That's why jump scares are like a staple of horror films because if you don't know what's coming, it's a lot scarier. And this sort of feeling of, and and you know what, I mean, think about it. People who maybe aren't like afraid in the same way that I am of like a scaredy cat, they might still get anxious about uncertainty. You know, I think, say you get laid off from your job and you have no idea what your next job is going to be. That's a kind of fear. And again, that fear is coming from, I don't know what's going to come next. And so I have found the absolute best band-aid, I would say, because it doesn't actually make the fear go away, but something that can sort of assuage your fears and, and keep them at bay a little bit is a plan. A good laid plan of this is how I'm going to do this thing and feel as safe as I possibly can in those moments. Um, so yeah, that was obviously like a bit of a more vulnerable topic for me but I you know I want to practice what I preach and I know that I'm a comedian and a lot of times like you come to these episodes and it's me like pontificating and like making fun of bouquet tosses and explaining why I think golf is a stupid outing whatever I I know a lot of the times you come to this podcast and it's me sort of giving funny musings on daily things that happen but every once in a while I like to talk about something that matters a little bit more to me because I think I think half the battle for anything in life is just knowing that someone else feels the same way that you do. So if anyone who listens to this is also afraid, 
hopefully just knowing that I'm also an afraid person makes you feel a little more comfortable telling other people that you're afraid. And then if you are listening to this and you're not an afraid person, but you know someone who is afraid, maybe I was able to articulate it for you in a way that they haven't yet because they might be feeling the same embarrassment that I felt for so many years. So that was that was the hope of this particular episode. Hopefully it comes through. Hopefully it doesn't feel preachy um, or like I'm trying to be in a space that I don't belong in because I'm certainly not. I just... It's just something that's been on my chest and I wanted to talk about it. Loved this conversation. If you have anything to say, please DM me. I love talking to you guys about what I talk about here uh, in person or on DM or whatever. So yeah, uh, shoot me a message if anything I say resonated with you. And if not, I'll see you next week. Until next time, I'm Shannon Fiedler and this was Just Like Other Girls.